Today's episode is brought to you by Musical Theatre Radio's Merch Store. Looking for that perfect gift for someone or just want to treat yourself to some great musical theatre themed merch? Head to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the All Things Theatre button on the homepage and check out all the different designs available. And now, today's interview. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. Today is another Discover a New Musical Edition, where you, the listener, and me, the host, get to learn about a new show together. Today, we're going to learn more about the musical Nazareth Man, a rock opera. It's the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. To learn more about the show and the man who created it, I'd like to welcome Tim Juliet to the show. Hello, Tim! Hello, thank you for having me, Jean-Paul. No problem, no problem. Now, before we get into the show itself, uh, we always want to get to know our listeners, our, our guests a little bit better, because listeners might not know who you are. So I always ask for a 30-second bio. So the question is, who's Tim in 30 seconds? I once was a singer and then became a composer. Uh, eventually wound up doing a lot of serious writing. Um, started with a big oratorio that I... Um, finished a while back called The Selah Prophecies, and it's turned into this big rock opera called Nazareth Man. I'm also married to a redhead, so I always stay in line. And uh, other than that, two children. I live in Arizona, and I just love music. I have about 40 private students, so I teach private music uh, lessons and also work at a church as a, as a worship leader. I love that work. Um, so, yeah, I'm a Christian, so it's nice to write about Christian themes. And so Nazareth Man has been a 32-track adventure, basically. That was probably about 40 seconds, but that's about right. <laughs> it's okay. I'll just cut off the last 10. And nobody will know <laughs> that last part. <laughs> so so I, I'm curious, were you always into musicals growing up, or was that something you discovered a little bit later in life? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was in junior high, I got the star lead in my musical, and um, high school was always about musicals. When I got into college, I thought I was going to be an opera singer. And so I was singing, um, you know, all over the country for a while as a professional opera singer. And so, yeah, that took me to a different different place. And But I eventually came back to just um, understanding that, you know, even though I wasn't singing so much, um, I really had so much music inside of me and I started to turn towards composition. So there was a transition there for me. But how, how did you uh, start writing? Did you do you play piano? Do you play guitar? A little bit of everything? Yeah, I play piano and guitar, and uh, but I compose from a piano usually. Actually, I compose usually with a pencil and a piece of paper without any instrument. And I usually write out the melody. I know it sounds weird, but I write out the letter name, uh, mel the mel actual melody line, um, what I'm hearing in my head. And then I go to an instrument and try to figure out if any of that made any sense, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so let's 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 jump to Nazareth man tell, tell us a little bit about it and, and what was the inspiration for writing it um you know it came from a couple different places I had written an oratorio like I mentioned and it was sort of I'm not gonna say it was a miss but it just it lacked something foundational I, it's funny I worked so hard on that for like three years or something like that and once I actually released it I had people that would listen to it and they would be like, wow, that's really impressive and stuff, but they'd never listen to it again. And so it's like I missed a mark there. And so I sort of took that project and then I decided I needed to tell a story. That was the change that was that was needed. And so I decided to tell the story of Jesus as opposed to 
in the oratorio there were um it was just a different format i'll show you there but um anyway so i'm trying to tell a very biblical um story um which is i'm just going to say is probably uh contrary to the way that you would typically approach musical theater um not that i'm saying that it should be non-biblical <laughs> i'm just saying that you know typically when you're writing a story that's liturgically themed i think that typically you want something that's original something that gives a different spin or something like that something that i i think i've noticed is that we look at um like this tv series called the chosen mm -hmm. uh we look at the movie like the passion of the christ you know mel gibson's um movie um and those were highly successful and very biblical and so what i thought as a result of looking at some of the past um you know bible-based musicals like jesus christ superstar for instance um you know, I thought that maybe we were ready for something that was really biblically based. So when you look at the actual music, the goal was to write music that was effective enough to where people wouldn't feel that the compositions felt clumsy while still actually literally composing music to unedited Bible scripture. Mm. So the goal, I think, was to write music where people would actually feel it was catchy enough <laughs> to where it wouldn't feel, I don't know if, if I'm saying this right, but I just don't didn't want people to feel like it was like unmusical. Sometimes we might hear like, I don't know if you ever heard of this, um, John Paul, where you hear Bible verses that are set to music and it just feels kind of clumsy because there's no meter. You know, it's, um, you know, it's prosy writing, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so with that said, that's been my goal. I've tried to write epic tracks, you know, that um, that would tell the story really. That I think the greatest story ever told. I think that's really really the reality in such an epic, just a great way. That's what I've tried to do. So we'll see if that worked out. But that was the goal. Nice. Usually my next question is what's the plot of the show, but I think most people know it. But you know what? Give it to us anyways. Like yeah, sure. Yeah, it's basically you know Jesus. Um, you know God sent His only Son to Earth you know, to die for our sins. You know that was obviously the the intention of Him sending Jesus here. So Jesus comes to earth, he's born uh, in a manger, we all know the story of Christmas, um, you know, goes through the process of him going into the wilderness, which I believe one of the tracks you'll be playing will be from the temptation in the wilderness where Satan is basically tempting Jesus. So it goes into the wilderness, wilderness right after he's baptized by John, John the Baptist, who was there to tell everybody that he's coming, basically. And so Jesus goes through this process um, in his ministry, where he turns water into wine, he heals lepers he goes through the process of i think demonstrating what true love really is and um which leads to the cross which um i think that the greatest love that we can show anybody is when we give our life for our friends is something that's stated in the bible so um that's what he did for us he gave his life for us on the cross and then the part that's never told in a biblical you know telling of jesus is the resurrection so I've actually included the resurrection. I think that most musicals, I don't know, it's like composers are like, well, you know, if Jesus died, that's one thing. But if he actually rose again, that's a whole different story. I don't think we're going to touch that one. But I went ahead and did it. I went with the resurrection, of course, and, you know, just telling the whole complete story of him rising again on the third day. And he was um, he was in front of 500 people, actually, after he rose again. So it's like either 500 people hallucinated uh, all on the same subject. Or he actually did rise again because there are 500 people that actually saw him. Um, not only that, but disciples and different people. So the resurrection part of the story is extremely important. It's like it's sort of like our proof that he is who he said he was. So it had to be included in the story. And um, and so that's what it is. It's 32 tracks of just 
huge guitar and um you know i mean it's just like really the the guy that i got to play the guitar he's a serbian guitarist mm -hmm. and the guy is just phenomenal i knew if it, this thing this thing was gonna work he had to i had to find a good guitarist for this thing <laughs> if i was gonna call it a rock opera it had to be so <laughs> very nice so did you find it easy to compose this music was was there certain songs that you know just flowed out of you and were there any which songs you know just you just sat there and went how am i gonna figure this out you know, um, I have one track. I'd say there's three, but I'm going to say just this one track is Gethsemane, you know. This is where Jesus is arrested and is brought before Pilate and the high priest and everything. And it's a 16 and a half minute long track. And when I was looking at it, I was thinking, I think this is going to be a big hot mess. You know, it's just like there's so many details and stuff. And, and also um, there are so many different singers that were needed for that, including, you know, Pontius Pilate's wife and just all these different just random people or whatever servants and different people um servant girls and so anyway um it was a huge huge endeavor like it almost like felt like i felt like i was writing a whole different unique album in this one piece it just took forever but um but it came out great <laughs> came out great and i'm just really really glad about that so you know 16 and a half minutes like it's like i looked at other um you know like rock albums where there were really long tracks like that and most of them seemed like they were just lacking, um, I don't know, that thing in a, in a piece of music that keeps your attention. And so this one goes blow to blow by blow by blow, like just keeps moving forward. The momentum never changes. So I was thankful for that. So I'd say that was that was one of them that was kind of unique on the project. <laughs> so when did you start writing this officially? And then, you know, what's the what, what's the trajectory then? What have you done with it? Well, um, three years ago, when I had released my oratorio, I told my wife, okay, I'm done writing for a little while now. We're going to spend some time together. And then, unfortunately, I totally reneged on that. And then I went into the rock opera. <laughs> She's been mad for three years. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, so about three years ago, I started writing it. And, um, yeah, um, I have not done anything with it because it's not yet released. Um, so I'm actually currently finishing the last three tracks which are just about finished. And uh, uh, the plan at this point is to set a pre-release for November 1st. I had thought I was actually going to release it on November 1st, but it's taken a little longer. So November 1st is a pre-release. And then December 1st is the day that I actually will release it. So I'm currently just setting up marketing and just trying to, you know, I'm trying to find a web designer and uh, that kind of stuff, you know, <laughs> trying to get it all, you know, kind of working and um, everything up online and stuff. So that's where I'm at currently. So you're kind of going to the Jesus Christ superstar route of, you know, releasing it as an album first, letting everybody listen to it and then seeing where it goes from there. That's exactly right. And really, of course, the hope is for it to find its way on, onto a stage. And, uh, you know, um, I would say it's a little, um, you know, um, going into I knew it would be a bit of a risky endeavor going with such a biblically based project, thinking that it could go mainstream. Um, but again, I kind of thought, you know, The Chosen, uh, Passion of the Christ, some of these projects have sort of set the table for it. And here's the deal. If the music is good enough, cream goes to the top. And I don't know if it is or not, but we're going to find out. <laughs> and, and that's 100%, 100% true. You know, it, good is good is good. doesn't matter what the subject matter is. If you're, you know, if it be religious or race or whatever it is, you know, what, if something's good, people will know and and, and yeah. latch on to it so yeah i think, I think we learned that from hamilton you know also yep 
Exactly, exactly. So tell us a little bit about um, if if somebody wants to get it on stage after they've listened to it and they loved it, you know, what what how many characters are we looking at? What kind of size band? Some of the, the stuff people might need if they're thinking about putting it on. I would say if, uh, you know, um, you know, producer decided to take it on, it would be, first of all, finding a very, very good guitarist, <laughs> you know. I don't see this as the type of project where, you know, like um, some rock operas have the band on the stage, you know, um, I think probably be in the pit and, uh, you know, but it would be really pretty traditional rock band kind of a thing. And uh, so you're looking at a, a strong guitarist, good drummer, um, going to have somebody playing a keyboard for sure. And uh, probably some strings and things like that going through a keyboard and but it'd be a pretty traditional kind of a rock band kind of thing. Um, so that part actually sort of simplified as long as you have a good guitarist. And then uh, then after that, um, there are a lot of characters. And um, one of the things I did in the audio recording uh, version of this is, you know, I basically have had an international cast of characters. Uh, so, um, you know, you have Jesus, you have Mary, you know, you have some of the main characters like John the Baptist, the guy that plays Satan in the um, Temptation in the Wilderness, um, you know guys like Nicodemus, you have angels. A lot of these um, characters can be, um, you know, probably um, covered by one person, like two people, uh, two parts being covered by one person kind of a thing. Um, but all in all, when you look at all the actual characters, there's, I guess, 17 or 18. So I think it winds up being a cast of probably maybe 12 with, yeah. you know, several of those parts being covered by two or just one person covering two parts and, um, and then an ensemble. You know, um, got to have people surrounding the cross when he's being crucified and, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, on the project instrumentally, we had a cellist, you know, we had a trumpeter. Um, we, we have a great violinist. So um, the uh, Temptation of Christ actually has, uh, you know, a guitar and a fiddle battle, hmm. you know, on that track. Sort of like... Um, you know, what we've heard in some songs, you know, so um, I think having a strong violinist, that's the other part that I forgot to mention. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, and, and you said you're releasing the album in, you know, a few months in, in 2023. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the people that uh, performed on the, the album. Yeah, absolutely. So on the album version, um, it was important to find the right Jesus. And uh, that was actually really tricky. I went through a few um, different um, options before I finally um, decided on one. His name is Scott Foster Harris. Scott Foster Harris is a guy who currently lives in Texas. He's a um, he's a professional recording artist, and he's um, he's a guy that um, has fronted a lot of the bands in the past. One of which was um, a band called L.A. Guns, which is an offshoot of Guns and Roses. And uh, so yeah, this guy is uh, what a just like what a great guy to work with. First of all, guy is just a just a just a total joy to be be um, be involved with uh, but a great voice really really good voice and he handled it well so well great great artist um others um i have this guy by the name of kai nine i know it sounds weird what's that name all about kai nine he's uh, actually a um like a rap artist and so one of the things about the production is it feels sort of like a hamilton type of a thing once you really get into the different tracks and stuff there's quite a bit of spoken word kind of stuff um anyway he's been great uh, there's an artist by the name of abby parker she's also one of the other narrators there's a male and a female narration part which is either sung or rapped or whatever um but abby parker was one of the lead uh singers for um a group called i am they which is a grammy nominated dove award-winning um band um that is no longer um 
working. <laughs> uh, but they, yeah, they um, had kind of a nice run out there for a while. Some great songs. But anyway, she's a great singer and uh, she did great with that. I don't know, Mary, um, like the part of Mary was um, was done by a woman in Ecuador hmm. uh, by the name of Carolina Padron. She's a recording artist there. So as, as I go through the list, which I'll stop with that one, I'll just tell you, you know, basically it's uh, an international effort. There's a lot of people from the UK that were involved. Um, my drummer's actually from UK. Um, all over the place, Philippines, Pontius Pilate's from Philippines. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that was interesting getting to know different guys from different places. And, uh, but some great singers on this project, I'll say. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, I'm, I'm always curious because I've, I've written stuff. You write it. It's in your head. You know what it sounds like. You sing it out loud because you know what it sounds like. But when you get it into the mouths of somebody else, it was there, what is, was there a song or two that just blew you away when it was interpreted by somebody else? I would say every song has been that way. One of the reasons for that is um, a lot of like when I'm actually preparing a track in this way, where I have recording artists who are recording literally, you know, in different areas of the world, um, I'm setting a track, what's referred to as a click track, where you have just, you know, usually a single instrument and just a single vocal. And so I'm literally recording all these vocals myself, the demonstration vocals, you know, and then I'll have Jesus, you know, Scott Foster Harris singing an octave higher, <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's nothing compared to what, you know, what the click track is, it's so much better. Um, but I would say just every track coming alive, you know, just uh, just with the instrumentation with, let me put it to you this way. When that Serbian dude starts laying down guitar parts, everything changes, <laughs> you know? So it just becomes something so different. And it never really was exactly what I had in my mind. It was always just a little different, even though sometimes I did give him parts, but I did give him parts sometimes, but for the most part, his creativity took it to such a high level. Yeah. It's fun, fun stuff. Really. Very cool. Congratulations on, on the show and, and getting it up on its feet and, and getting the album recorded. Cause that's, it's not an easy thing to do. So I, you know, my hat's off to you. For this. Thank you. So, so do you have anything else in, in the pipeline that you want to pr promote? I know you're working on this, but you know, sometimes there's always other things. Is there anything else there, you want to talk about? There is something very important I need to work on. Uh, and that is taking a little break to spend some time with my wife. Like I said, she's been really, uh, you know, I keep just writing, going from one project to another. So yeah, I'm going to take that woman on a really nice vacation. Don't tell her. Okay. But that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That means she can't listen to the interview then, unless you do it. That's going to be confusing, but well. Yeah, it's true. I don't know how that's going to go. But maybe <laughs> it'll make her feel a little better. Nice. Um, yeah, but actually, all joking aside though, John Paul, I'd like eventually just to see where this project goes. I'm going to give it some time and. I really feel, um, you know, because I'm I'm independent. I'm I'm not signed to a label. I don't have a marketing team or anything like that. It's just me. So um, I plan to just see this through on a level of marketing. And once I get to a certain point with it, then I'll probably see where I go from there. But I mean, I have stuff in the back of my head, like you know, if this gets really big and it becomes, you know, uh, what I hope it could be, then um, I'd love to start writing some of the parables, for instance. You know, taking some of what I've done and actually sort of completing it with some other things and maybe actually looking at writing some other musicals you know maybe trying to find a lyricist and doing some stuff like that so i'm more of a composer than a lyricist so very cool well again congratulations so how do people if they want to learn more about uh the show and what you're doing how do they contact you or find out more about you i would say um yeah, i'm going to set up um marketing and nazareth man should be pretty um a pretty straightforward way to find the musical once everything's online so if you put in Naz Nazareth Man, 
Um, I've um, uh, found the domain name, the Jesus musical. So the Jesus musical.com. So I'm probably going to put that up and use that domain name. So um, that should be up by November 1st, I would think. So um, other than that, uh, we'll be on, you know, Spotify, Apple music. Um, you know, we'll have a pre-release on November 1st, as I mentioned. So we'll have something up that, um, you know, people can hear. Plus I think you're going to play a couple songs through this interview. So uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. I'd love for you guys all to come out and listen to this thing online. And, and if you like it, uh, consider, um, consider purchasing it. You know, one of the things that I will say that has been a goal uh, of mine is, uh, you know, I think that this world needs a little bit more love in their, in their lives, you know, and there's a lot of, um, a lot of just division in our world. And, uh, you know, Jesus is love, you know, um, God is love. That's what I believe. And so maybe by listening to these songs that are just scripture, uh, it might cause you to, I don't know, find a deeper sense of meaning in, in maybe what might be your relationship with God. So I hope that is what the case winds up being. Very cool. Well, again, congratulations. I look forward to, uh, you know, seeing where it goes and you'll have to let us know when the album is officially launched. We'll promote it on our, um, our social media and let everybody know all about Wonderful. it. Wonderful. Thank you. No problem. So yeah, stick around right after, if you're listening to this on the radio, we're going to play a couple of tracks from uh, Nazareth man for you to take a listen to. So, but if you're listening by the podcast, go listen, go find it on Spotify and everything. Cause who knows when people listen to these things, it could be five months in the future, but go find it on uh, wherever you can just Google it and you can take a listen. Um, Tim, thank you very much for coming on and uh, all the best. And I look forward to seeing where it goes. Thank you for having me, John Paul. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right. So we were just speaking with uh, Tim Julien uh, about Nazareth, man. Uh, tune in next week as we'll speak with another guest or guests about their life, love, and passion. That is musical theater. I am your host as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you. <laughs>